and my mom is lagging behind. I don't know why, but suddenly she just kind of shrieks, like just a little, quietly, and then comes running back up to us and like says something to my dad. And he's like, ugh, calm down. And I, they wouldn't tell me, I think for a while, or at least not on that trip what was going on, but she told me later that she just felt someone pull her hair hard. Hey, welcome to The Human Project. I'm your host, Pedro De Silva. The Human Project is a podcast that's all about people, who we are and what, where, who makes us who we are. It's a podcast that operates under a single basic premise, that everyone has a story. Some stories are painful, some stories make you smile, some stories make you wonder, often out loud, but at the end of the day, everyone has a story worth telling. If you like this podcast, or even if you just like the idea of this podcast, make sure to give it a five-star rating here on iTunes, wherever you're listening, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode, I took a moment to speak with Elena. The first question I asked her was, do you have a favorite color? Tell me about that. And while to me the question was a boring icebreaker, her response couldn't have been more intriguing. Red? There's a specific shade that's just rojo italiano. Rojo italiano. Yeah, it's like the color on a little cafe umbrella. Okay. Yeah. Um, the color of like nice stilettos. Yeah. We then talk about how red is a very moralized color, often associated with wrong things or evil things or right and wrong or passions. You get the drift. Not moralized. I mean, it could be, I guess, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But then you have red lips. I guess there's a lot of temptation, but you have to go a few more steps to get to, to like, this is wrong. Tell me about someone you love. Okay. The person that comes to mind, I guess, is my grandma because she's sick. So I've had to deal with being there with her right now and also dealing with like when I am with her very occasionally how hard that is um where is she right now she's in she's in Santiago Santiago yeah but I I spent like an enormous amount of time with her when I was little yeah um she's an anthropologist and (laughs) she yeah so well so her dissertation was on um the Rapanui, the people of Easter Island. Yeah. She has a little place there, and she worked on that a lot. But um, her main job is writing like little ethnographies of kids, for kids, for the like um, early childhood education program that the state has. And so she does field work all across the country um, with like different immigrant nationalities, ethnic minorities, indigenous tribes in Chile and does two or three days with them intensively of interviewing and taking photos and then she like has to like recreate what they've told her into like what a day might be like and it has recipes in the book and like I've watched the kids interact with this stuff and they're just like mesmerized by the photos it's incredible so when I was little she would take me to do some of the field work with her 
she would like put a little cushion under me in the passenger seat so that I could look out the window. It was my only requirement for driving with her. Um, and my, my parents used to drop me off at her place Friday and Saturday nights so that they could run the restaurant not have to worry about the little kid either being there or being alone at home yeah. with a nanny or something. Um, and apparently I used to cry when they dropped me off and they would get really worried about leaving me alone, you know, abandoning me with my grandmother. And she was like, okay, don't worry. Just stay. <laughs> stay like 10 minutes the next time that you drop her off. So they did. And I'm like crying and they close the door and I keep crying. And then she comes over and she's like, ice cream? And I'm like, yeah, we're <laughs> That is what I want. <laughs> so a lot of good memories of waking up and getting cookies in the morning and Nora Jones. Nora Jones. Yes, you love Nora Jones and Dinah Washington. How long has she been doing? How long has she been doing the work that she's doing now? Um, so, so she was doing, um, she was doing like underwear fabrication. Okay. Um, or maybe she she had other people do the underwear and then like embroidered it in the the late '60s and early '70s. Um, when my mom was a baby and then in 73 um, when the coup happened in Chile my mom was was one and so my grandma was still pretty young in her 20s um, two years later they, they like eventually le- left the country and she had to like start something completely new without mm-hmm. any of the ties that she had before family um, I've talked to her recently too and she's like yeah for me it was always this like waiting period just waiting to go back which I, I guess I never imagined because for my mom, Swedish is like one of, like probably her first language, it's kind of tied, but mostly her first language. She was really deeply Swedish in this way that wasn't like, it must have been weird for her parents to have just been waiting to go back from the place that was like tying her down. Um, so, so when she got there, she had to do the like Swedish language learning program and then went to university and started her degree in her 30s. And then in 1997, I think, was the first time she went back to Chile when the regime was kind of winding down, the protests were getting bigger, and the pacted transition was starting to be negotiated so she could go back. And that's when she started her fieldwork in Easter Island. In the southeastern Pacific Ocean, 2,200 miles west of the coast of Chile, the nation occupying the southwesternmost region of South America, lives the island of Rapa Nui, known commonly in English as Easter Island. Today the island is famous around the world for its moai, giant structures carved from stone in the likeness of human beings with very large heads. The moai today is so present in popular culture that you may have seen it and not known the name for it. There's even an emoji dedicated to it in the form of a giant stone head on the iPhone. While no one knows exactly why the first moai were erected, There is one theory that the 887 statues that today inhabit Rapa Nui were created to commemorate great kings and dead chiefs all those hundreds of years ago. What is known with greater confidence, however, is who would have first created the Moai, and that would be the people who have inhabited Rapa Nui for centuries and inhabit it now, the Rapa Nui themselves, who first arrived on Easter Island from a neighboring island sometime between the year 300 and 800 and lived there for 
many, many years, close to a millennium before explorers from Europe came and, well, decided there was something worth taking. But before all that, the first great move had to happen, the first move that brought the Rapanui to the island that would bear their name. Legend has it that the great sage Halmaka was searching for a new land for his people, then inhabiting the mythical Hiva. One night, Haumaka had a dream in which a spirit traveled to a faraway land, a land he'd later call Eyes That Look to the Sky. When Haumaka awoke, he informed the king, Hotumatua. Hotumatua sent out seven of his best men to search for the island. They found it and upon returning informed the king. Hearing of this, Hotumatua and his wife, Vakai, left immediately in search of their new home. Once they arrived, the island of Rapa Nui was born. Today, Easter Island is considered a special territory of Chile. So tell me about where you grew up. Alright. I hate answering that question. I, I hate it not because it's hard, but because I always sound pretentious. Okay. Whenever I'm trying to give people like the the real gloss. Yeah. Um to the point where like my, my best friends the, the, or my friends who've known me the longest will be like will start mimicking me even before I start talking <laughs> to whoever I'm meeting yeah. it's like I've, I've gotten it down pretty quickly I was born in Chile and then I moved to DC when I was 8 and okay. then I went to college in Portland and my parents split up and now I currently live with my mom in Brooklyn when I'm not in college and my dad kind of moves around tell me about your dad if you don't mind yeah yeah um, so my dad was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Young Republican, Christian. Went to Princeton. Realized maybe there wasn't a God. Wow. It's a big revelation. Yeah. I think realized that that had implications not just for his own worldview, but for like his relationship with his parents and things that they had told him. And I think he just felt everything changing. Um, so he left the US, I think pretty much as soon as he could. He'd always been very good at Spanish in high school. His teachers told him that he had like a preternaturally good accent. Um, my mom would joke later that um, it was like he'd he'd been Latin American in a very very close um, prior life, um, <laughs> and his grammar is uh, better than both mine and my mom's. But so upon graduating, he I guess just he he found the first job he could in South America and landed in Chile. And was there for a while and would rollerblade shirtless with his. Um, lab puppy on a leash which right i mean you already think wow right but then (laughs) in the 90s in santiago which is not you know the like hyper developed city that it is now like it's just a crazy american magnet (laughs) (laughs) so it worked (laughs) um my parents met at a bar they should have met much earlier they had so many mutual friends that they were always in, invited to the same parties, but would would only go to the ones that the other one didn't go to. And then it, finally they met at the bar. My 
my dad comes on really strong. Um, and he's very, very smart, and he really likes to show it. Um, and my mom hated him. She's just like, oh my god. He drove her crazy. And I guess that's how he got her in the end. She's driving her crazy. What did your mom do for it? She was studying at the time. Okay. Yep. She'd been to a few different universities at that point. Um, um, but she was thesising on this kind of surrealist poet, Vicente Huilobro, um, who wrote these like pictogram poems. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and the ones that aren't pictograms are just sounds, like written how, like you say them out loud and it just sounds maybe like an instrument or something. Um, they're really thick tones, so I grew up reading those when I was like really little, a toddler who should be working on her thesis and I'd be next to her just like saying like, la da di, la da da, how da you? I'm just making it up, but those are definitely sounds that he uses. <laughs> 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 it's not verbatim, but I'm not sure you could put it verbatim. Yeah. talked a little about like growing up and I'm wondering from then all the way up until now mm-hmm. have you ever had an experience of some kind that you couldn't explain whatever that might mean to you so interesting my first reflex is to say no because I feel like when I look back on my memories I'm reinterpreting always in ways that make more I feel like I'm actually taking the unexplainable out each time I go back. Like I go back and think about like my my best childhood friend in DC and how we fought and it was so dumb and we both really wanted to be right. And how I guess kids can be like that, but kids also imitate what their parents are doing. But I wonder also how much of that bakering led to us eventually not being friends in a way that I still keep in touch with people that I was friends with around the same time. Um, yeah, I feel like I was always like, was very rationali- rationalizing little kid, uh, probably to my detriment. But I, I guess I, I can think of one thing along those lines, something like a ghost story or like the supernatural or the mystical. I guess it's a little bit more complicated. Um, I was there with my mother and my dad and my grandmother and I think probably she she has a very good friend who's probably like around my mom's age. She started working with her when he was really young. He would go intern at the office that she was working in, like downtown, you know, in the the in the big town I guess um, he kept working with her for a really long time um, so he was with us too and he has some authority but he's of a certain clan and we were on the side of the island but it's not his clan and the, that territory has never been of anyone's that, that we associated with um, Right, but so so we're on this side of the island that I hadn't been to before. I've been to Easter Island like several times, I guess. And I even even this time it was probably the second or third time that I was there. Um, 
but it's super barren compared to the rest of the island. Um, the cliffs aren't necessarily as high. I mean, the, the, the entire island basically, except for like the two beaches, are just really, really tall cliffs. Um, and the horizon kind of like stretches and curves and your brain starts to turn a little bit into Swiss cheese. So there's definitely like, you're peeking over the edge. You could be asking for trouble there. Um, we're here, we're walking around and I think my, my dad is carrying me on his shoulders. I remember that pretty vividly. And we're just talking about whatever. I don't know. He, he taught me a lot of songs when I was little, like, like, um, American, like, oh, home on the range. Like, right. And that was like kind of special to me because nothing else. I, I had never heard that anywhere else before and I wouldn't hear it for a really long time. But I guess those kinds of things, like at some point lose their, that special element. But, it, you know, in the moment it was one of those songs that we, we had whenever we were in a new place. And it was, especially if it was like a rugged or wild place. So I'm distracted. We're having fun. My grandmother's probably like paying s- close scholarly attention to the features. We're trying to track I don't know like dividing lines of something and probably having a conversation with our guide and my mom is lagging behind I don't know why but suddenly she just kind of shrieks like just a little quietly and then comes running back up to us and like says something to my dad and he's like Ugh, calm down and I they wouldn't tell me, I think, for a while, or at least not on that trip, what was going on, but she told me later that she just felt someone pull her hair hard. And she could just feel suddenly, like, get out. Like, this is not your place, leave. And so she ran up to us and was like, we need to go. And I guess my dad was trying to defuse the situation, but she, she told my grandmother, and she was like, oh yeah, I mean, no, totally, like, Dif- the, the spirits of the clans will still protect their territory, it doesn't matter. And my, my mom is, is, I mean, my, my dad, right, ex, ex young Episcopalian um, agnostic post the yeah. liberal arts Ivy League, whatever, but my, my mom was raised pretty, like, um, kind of rejecting the Catholic culture of Chile very strongly. Super atheist and super not at all spiritual. With any, I mean, she just doesn't believe in any of that at whatsoever. <laughs> whatsoever. She yeah. believes, yeah, she believes in the material. So the fact that she actually had that experience really, I, I think that even like shook not not just the idea that that could happen because I loved magic and like little kids love when things are happening and they don't see them, right? But to have her say that and it contradict everything else that she believed, I think that was probably the weirdest part of it for me. It added like a certain kind of agency to it or legitimacy that yeah. might not have been there. And that much more confusion about like, I guess what the world might hold. Yeah. If you can be so sure of something and then have something that happens. Just like that. Exactly. Thanks so much for listening to The Human Project. If you like this episode and if you like this podcast, make sure to leave a five-star rating and to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Pedro Da Silva. 
If you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Foster, that's F-O-H-S-T-E-R. And we'll stick to that for now. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. Left you by the house of fine. Don't know why I didn't come. My own.